you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Sky Barber. Welcome, Sky. Hello, welcome. Um, thank you for having me. I am super, super excited for today's conversation because like myself, you are also extremely passionate about management and mm-hmm. building cool teams and all this fun stuff. But before we get into all the good stuff, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up where you are right now and so on? Yeah, absolutely. So I will try and make this as short and concise as possible. But I grew up with parents who are incredibly entrepreneurial. But my mom gave up her business dream to have us four children and be a stay-at-home mom. And my dad basically never did anything with us because he was always working. And whilst I always knew I wanted my own business, I didn't want to do it that way. I wanted the best of both worlds. I wanted to earn great money and be a present great mummy. And I was, I was always wondering, like, how do I do this differently? So I went into corporate life. Um, I was headhunted off the back of university running social enterprises there. I was headhunted into the John Lewis Partnership in the UK. And I was fast tracked to being like a store manager. So at 27, I was running a business at 45 million pound turnover, 250 members of staff. And I got to see exactly the real life leadership and all the people challenges and the operational challenges that go with that and make all the mistakes under the sun. But the biggest lesson I learned was, ah, in business, to grow a long-term sustainable business, you can't just do everything yourself. You have to bring people with you. And I saw that as the missing link with so many entrepreneurial friends and family members around me. So that when I wanted to do my own thing, which came around after having burnout, being in hospital for three days, and being pregnant with my first child, I knew I had to take the leap then. And I I started working with clients who didn't know how to go beyond them. They were just stuck as like the amazing person in their trade, the amazing bookkeeper, the amazing landscape gardener, but they didn't know how to grow the foundations of a business. And I was so privileged to have had that training and practical experience for the previous, like what it was 15 years overall, um, that I then support business owners in service-based businesses normally to be able to um, scale their business without sacrificing their family life and it's something I'm on a huge mission to um, get that word out that you can have a successful business without working all the hours under the sun is that concise enough for you that was concise (laughs) that was concise and I love the messaging I think well it doesn't really matter to me too much if, if you have a family or whatever else you have I think the reality is that there's a lot of let's call them role models out there that Mm -hmm. uh, that advocate working these 16 hour days and all this good stuff right and uh, I I think uh, particularly as a management coach I think it's definitely one of the things that I'm not necessarily the biggest advocate of to put it politely so uh, I I love the message and and how you go about it so can I also just add in something here though that may be slightly controversial I I Also, I'm an advocate of the fact you have to apply yourself and you have to do the work. I think in the online space where I am, I see a huge number of marketing trends being like, you can get freedom, just work on a laptop on a beach and sip a cocktail and like barely work again and earn all this money in like 10 days. And I really disagree with that when, I mean, to me on a personal level, freedom is, you know, an individual thing. And the idea of sand in my keyboard just would irritate the heck out of me. 
But equally, I think you have to, as a business owner, there is a certain level of it's difficult at times. You have to roll your sleeves up. You have to be prepared to do things and you have to dig deep. And there were years where I did not pay myself as well as my corporate job. And I did as many hours and it was not always that like glowing and fun. But at the end of the day, uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. And I know it can be different. So I think there's a fine line. Well, not nicer fine line. There's a line between, you know, advocates working like 16 hour days and be like, you have to just work, work, work and have no life forever. And those people I see who do the opposite, who say like, you basically don't have to work and you can still be incredibly successful. And the way I come to this is just being like, let's be judgment free. You can work however many hours you want, but is that your choice? Is that what you're wanting to do? And if it's not your choice, let's do something about it. So I need to make sure I understand this. So is the cocktails you disagree with or is it the beach? (laughs) (laughs) The cocktails I definitely don't disagree with. The beach I don't disagree with. But the idea of working, that being freedom with like, oh, sand everywhere just would drive me mad. But I suppose my, my intention is that to one person's idea of that being freedom, it might be someone else's hell. And totally. we should, it should just be like freedom to me or creating a business that allows freedom is like whatever your version of that is. And I think just getting off my soapbox in just a moment, there's a little bit around on my newsfeed, which hacks me off when it's like, this is, this is what a freedom business is online, like a laptop, laptop lifestyle, et cetera. But that is amazing. But that isn't necessarily everyone's version of freedom. Totally agree. I, uh, yeah, just from personal experience, I mean, I've, I've lived remotely pretty much since 2014, uh, early 2014. And uh, I definitely know that the life I live is not the life for most people. Mm-hmm. Even if they live, even if they look at the life I live, most people couldn't live it. Um, mm-hmm. Because here's the thing. Reality is that, again, it looks good sitting on a beach, but when you're actually sitting on a beach and need to put in a full eight-hour workday, that requires a lot of discipline. Yeah. And uh, like I that, can do it. Like that combination is definitely hard, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's, uh, that's definitely an interesting uh, observation for you. But equally, like I got up today at five and did some work. Now, I didn't have to, but I chose to do that. Uh, to be more present with my children this morning because I had a childcare issue. But my idea of like creating working time that I want and working the hours that I want is being able to be flexible at home, do my chickens, do my pony and my horse. Like we live on a farm, by the way. (laughs) It's like rural Oxfordshire on a farm life. So I'm very much a farmer's wife as well as a business owner. But I, I, so our extremes of what working hours are uh, maybe different, but the point is, we're living our dream and that's what's so important. And I, I think that's actually what happens. So I see a lot of people start their entrepreneurial journey. And what I see is that when you, when you get really passionate about something, mm-hmm. again, also one of the reasons why people end up working 16 hours a day is that it's, it's it. they're, they're so passionate about it and yeah. they love it. Right. Yeah. And that definitely makes it easier. Like if, if you work yeah. in uh, Tesco's and you're packing, uh, packing stuff on the shelves every day, uh, you're, you're that, that was ex- my old life by the way waitress you're, you're probably <laughs> not excited to work 16 nowadays right? no I was not <laughs> so I think that's also sometimes one of the challenges because people li- like it and actually enjoy it so much at least to a limit right and and therefore 
a lot of them end up spending a lot of time doing the wrong things. Exactly. Just because they enjoy it, right? Oh. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, a lot of the time what I ask people is, do you really want to build a business or do you want to build yourself a very glorified, well-paid, full-time job, right? Love because that question. The difference between those two is very, very big. And then uh, particularly in the space I work, I mean, I work with a lot of like developers and a lot of like SEO, online marketing people. And a lot of these guys and girls, they love nerding out in the stuff they know really well. Yeah. But most of them, again, they don't have the management skills. They don't have the business skills per se. Mm -hmm. And actually getting to a point where you start, um, where they sort of start showing interest and you're like, hey, is this actually what you want? Like, do you actually want a job working for someone else or as a Mm -hmm. freelancer in in principle, or do you actually want to build a business? Because you have to make a very conscious choice between the two because the middle ground is often very horrific, right? Yeah. Yeah, Can I just say this, in this conversation, I feel like I could probably talk to you all day. Um, I absolutely love someone of my own, 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 you know, thinking but what I hear a lot with business owners is and I actually did a podcast on this earlier around well you know I talk about leadership being the key that's the difference between being that you know in the freelancer job doing all the things to being a business owner like it takes leadership takes you to get out of the doing into running running the business and you know a lot of things obviously cover go under that but when I hear people they say to me yeah but I'm not big enough I'm not ready enough like it could, that comes with like a business, bigger business comes with extra responsibility. It comes with like more headaches, more people problems, more challenges. And they, they're scared of what it might mean, or they've seen people in their family or in, in, you know, in my case, it was in corporate. I went through hell on earth with some team members and I thought, I want to start my own online business where I don't have to hire anyone. It's just going to be me. That didn't last very long, but that was my, that was my reason for starting. And what people, I, what I've learned is that people are so, we can be so frightened of what might be the future that we stay stuck in the doing. And I call it the freedom blocks when our mindset, whilst we have this ambition and we have this drive to, to grow and to improve and to you know grow our businesses and turnovers and all that stuff, our mindset is stuck in like, yeah, but I want to stay safe a little bit because that, I don't quite know how and that kind of scares me or I know horror stories of where it's gone wrong before. Do you see that? So I see it from a different angle. angle. So what I see is people become an expert in what they're doing. So for Mm -hmm. example, they learn how to do online marketing. They learn how to Mm -hmm. sell products online, but they haven't learned managing and dealing with people. Absolutely. And, and, And the number one thing that most clients tell me when we start working together is I don't want to manage people. Can I just hire someone to do it? That is literally the number one phrase that most of my clients say word by word. Um, and here's the thing. It's because they haven't got the basic knowledge. It's like the same thing. If you, if someone asks you to start talking French or learn French today and you speak another word French, like that seemed like a huge overwhelming thing that's impossible to do. And you're like, oh, like that, right? However, what tends to be the case is as soon as they start learning the basics, as soon as they get through, I mean, I do like a basic training with most, most business owners and managers. And basically, as soon as they get through that and start getting the mindset right, they start understanding the value of 
actually, maybe I shouldn't be the one doing this work. Absolutely. And literally every single one of the clients I've had come to me and say, hey, you know, I don't want to manage people. A couple of months later, like the mindset have totally shifted. And my, I believe it's because they look at management and they don't know what they're doing. And when you don't know what you're doing about something, it seems big, big and scary and I don't want to do it, right? Mm. But as soon as you start getting a basic skill level, as soon as you start having a good core understanding of what you're actually doing, then it becomes a totally different beast. And many, many people, even like the most introverted people I've met, um, I'm a super introvert by nature myself as well, by the way, but, but even some of the most introverted clients I've had, like they turn around because they start seeing, like they start seeing the value in building business yes. rather than just have this glorified full-time job with a couple of people and, and this kind yeah. of thing, right? And that's the thing. We can automate the heck you want. You can have the most online, online semi-passive business or whatever. But at the end of the day, if it's still only you, nothing gets done if you don't do it. And I certainly don't aspire to that. I had six weeks off with my second child and I wanted complete blackout, but I still wanted to make money. So things had to be different beyond just, you know, I, I recognize there are ways of building recurring income and, you know, where you can have periods of time. But however passive your business is, the marketing of it is not passive. <laughs> so you still are involved in lots of it. And I, so much of, I want to jump on like a million one things that you just said there. Question back to you. When people say to you, like, can't I just hire someone to manage them for me? Because I get this the entire time. What is your response? What's your view on like the whole integrator, OBM? Yeah. I call them right-hand person. Like what's your view on that? Yeah, so my view is very simple. You have to learn to do the basic management first because even if you hire a right-hand person, you need to know how to manage them well. Yeah. Because if you have an integrator, if you have a right-hand person, if you don't manage them well, they're not going to be a great right-hand person. No. It stems and, from the top. And, and here's the thing. If you look at most corporate businesses, they're set up the same way. And if you want to be the CEO, you will generally have three or four people reporting to you. Mm. So there's sales, marketing, you have operations, you have finance, and sometimes you have technology, right? But realistically, if you want to be a CEO, and I'm not saying you should be, uh, many people maybe don't, but if you want to be a CEO, really contribute to business, um, you want to have the skills to manage these three, four, five people extremely well. Yeah. Right. Because no matter how much you delegate, no matter how you get around and, and you can put yourself out of like, you can hire a CEO. You can, you can go to a point at, at some point in your business and become the business owner, but it usually takes development. It usually takes time. Most people don't have the financial means yeah. to go and do that. Right. And, and by the way, just going and hiring a CEO is not like it's not something you just do, because particularly if the business is all sitting on your shoulders, that is not a very well, not, not, not just not easy, but it's it's probably not even the right way to try and get out of it. Right. Completely agree. And, and the second thing is, if your entire business is sitting on the shoulders of one person, you have a problem. Yeah. Right. So. That, that's my view. Um, yeah. Yeah. And everyone needs to be replaceable. And I say this to my right-hand person who's about to go on her maternity leave. I'm like, 
You're absolutely incredible. And I love you as part of my team. She's worked with me for, she came across from corporate to work with me in my own business. But I was like, everyone's, everyone's got to be replaceable. Like that's otherwise we run risk in our business. And okay, it is different perhaps in a personal brand space with our name or my name above the door. But I'm also building a tech business. I've been a director in a hospitality business that we started from scratch and sold for just under 3 million. And, you know, it, it takes a lot of people and a lot of different brains and hands in a business to grow it in a way that you can then sell it, for example. Well, that's fascinating that um, how you answered that. I think, thank you for indulging me in that, in that question. But when you talk about that right-hand person and I, I see it as people wanting at times to abdicate responsibility rather than delegate responsibility. And one thing that absolutely drives me potty is this slight, like, <laughs> I call it like the throwaway culture of VAs where, where employee, employer, employers and business owners, they go, right, I need to outsource. I know I need a VA, right. They get the VA in and what am I giving them? Um, oh, could you do my inbox? But you don't train them or give them any SOPs or systems. Um, oh no, you can't do that very well. Oh, by the way, that wasn't very good. And then you just ghost them. Or you may say, we're not going to work together anymore, but that's it. And so you get through and they're like, I've been burnt by three VAs. I'm like, oh, can we just hold a mirror up a little bit and say, what's the common denominator here? You. <laughs> so what are we going to do about that? <laughs> yeah. and, and this is actually one, one of the common threads. So I actually own a VA company and we have a couple of hundred VAs, right? And mm-hmm. uh, originally when we started out the company, we would do it on a referral basis. So we would find a person, we will hand it to the business owner and they work for them and so on. And it never worked out. Like we literally had a 80% failure rate. And I'm yeah. like, wait a minute. I, my, me and my team are really good at hiring. We do not hire 80% failures. We do not hire anywhere near 80% failures. Right? Yeah, it's not you. <laughs> and what happened was we, we then had to change the model and we, we tested out, but basically we hired the people. We still support with demand management, but the client basically tell the staff what to do and how to do it. And then we try and deal with all the personal stuff with our team. And that worked out. Suddenly our attrition rate went from you know 80-20 to be like 95-5 or something wow. like that. Wow. Um, which was crazy, but the whole thing was that there's two things behind it. So number one is when people don't pay their staff very much, they don't think of them as regular employees. Completely. And the whole thing is, the whole thing is, if you want to have be successful in business, if you have resources, and if you hire someone, I, I don't care if they're sitting next to you or in China or in uh, anywhere in the world, wherever they're sitting, if you treat them like a cheap resource they will only deliver work as a cheap resource. I know plenty of people who have built not just million dollar businesses, but huge companies solely on the back of like Filipinos or solely on the back of Indians or solely on the back of Eastern Europeans, right? It is extremely possible and it is extremely doable, right? Now, I'm not saying that in my opinion, it's always the right thing to do. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I believe there's a time and a place for hiring people in different locations and so on. Right. But the whole thing is it's all about how you manage them. And again, if yeah. you if you have a bad experience with three, four five people in a row, the bad experience is probably not based on those five people. But as you say, it's you probably need to look in circles around your own desk yeah. to 
find the challenge, right? Yeah, yeah. So. And, and the way I look at it, and I say this to all my clients, because they get nervous about some of them, have, you know, they're running multi-six, seven-figure businesses, but the idea of taking an employee on can feel quite scary. So they want to have the flexibility of freelancers. And I'm like, well, okay, we can't, you, it's your business. We've got a, your rules. But the way I look at whether you hire a freelancer or you hire an employee, yes, there are legal connotations that are different, but the principles don't change for me in terms of they are part of the team. We don't treat people differently. And so I have um, four employees and then a couple of freelancers. They come to the team meetings. We are inclusive of conversations. It's it's very much they are part of the team. It's just their contract is slightly different. And we treat them with the exact same respect and communicate. And it's just, we view it as a team. And this was very different in my circle when I started this, like this particular discussion about three years ago, um, where people just thought that team meant you had to have employed staff. I'm like, well, I mean, in some, for some people, that is absolutely the way to go. But whoever you bring into your business, it's about if you want to get the best out of them, you've got to invest time in them. And I, th- I think another key theme I see is when people get so busy, they become really like reactive and they don't proactively think this is what I'm going to need in the future. So we make decisions based on like quick shit, the, the shit's hit the fan. Like we got to just go just, ah, this, who's got a referral for this? Okay, brilliant. Flossie says they're good. They must be good. Let's just go. And there's no due diligence. There's no accountability. There's no setting them up for success. And then they wonder why it fails. And it's just a bad experience for everyone all around. And most importantly, like it's no good for business because you do invest some degree of time and money into this relationship that fails. So I'm really passionate, as are you, to make sure people are equipped because not a lot of people, you know, it's not anyone's fault, but these are skills that, you know, I, I had 10 years of my career learning it. And so you probably had, I don't know, as you were telling me before, travel all around. I'm going to say a few more years, but I don't want to insult you. <laughs> Um, but um, I, you know, th- this is something that's like learned skills. And my goodness, I made so many errors on the way and I still do. Less so now. But at the time, oh my gosh, like the 25 year old me managing teams of people of like guys in their 50s trying to explain like how to, you know, we, I was running supermarkets. So I was there in the baked beans on the shelf trying to do that more effectively and efficiently and give better customer service. Like, I made some really big schoolgirl errors, <laughs> but sometimes you've got to learn those to, to then find out what does work. But when it does, and you have that like loyal support that you can depend on, that gets stuff done, you don't need to ask, that's, that they're proactive and that you're just like, oh my God, like wait, it's just lifted off your shoulders. And where, you, where I feel like the blinkers are on, you're just do, 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 go, go, go. All of a sudden you can have creative thought. I'm setting up a new tech business because I have people in my current business that can do a lot of the legwork for me. And it's, you know, as entrepreneurial thinkers, we want to be the creators, the visionaries. We don't want to just get stuck in one thing. So don't allow it. But that takes people and that takes management. And that's where yeah. I suppose you, this conversation goes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and that's uh, i mean that's also my my core strength now because i mean we we own uh, i own six companies right and the whole benefit is when you have companies when you have people you have resources like whenever we acquired a company here in the beginning of this year and again it was so easy to pick some key people from other businesses 
that you know are superb at what they were doing and put them into this new company and immediately had it take off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the value you have when you have great people. But the key thing is, and this is this is for me where most people go wrong, that like even when they're promoting people into management role, there's no support, mm-hmm. right? Like, and it's not because they don't want to, it's because they don't know any better. But but reality is again, like for me, management is not something you need to spend 10 years getting the basics right. Mm-hmm. Um, like for me, getting the basics right is really getting uh, getting with the right person or the right people in a in a span of time. But I mean, most of my clients get to a solid state within a month, mm-hmm. right? Like it's not it, it like it's not a 10 year thing. Right now, obviously, there's a lot of practice and doing things and so on. But, but most of management, really, in my opinion and experience, is getting some very core basic processes mm. right. Mm. Like, how do you build relationship with your staff? Mm. How do you delegate well? Right. Mm. Well, how do you run effective meetings? How do you set clear goals? How and and to your point, how do you actually hire the right people in the first place? Right. Like mm. there's some very core, basic, fundamental processes that you want to get right, but you don't need to sit down and spend you know years trying to figure out how to do management before you can actually start doing it. No, and uh, I did a management degree, and I can honestly say I don't take anything from it. But at the same time, at university, I was like, I want practical experience. So I set up a student enterprise, and we had I had fifty volunteer students working for me. And I, my goodness, made I was very controlling back in those days. But the degree and actually learning in a textbook and reading about it is one thing. Actually, being and dealing with people is another. And I, I, I agree, you don't need. 10 years whatever experience but when you have that you've seen a lot of the reoccurring themes that come up when it comes to managing people and and you know we've both been lucky enough to see when it does work I see people lose heart and think well I can't ever do it and they're going to be stuck in the doing forever and anyone listening to this if that has been you I would just encourage you to know it doesn't have to be this way and when it does work it's an absolute life changer a life changer and And that's it yeah, the other thing I have, what, what I see a lot is people say, oh, you know, I'm not a management type or I'm not a managerial person or something like that. And again, like I've worked with any kind of personalities. Anyone can learn the skills. And people have different strengths and weaknesses. And sometimes the challenge is people look at all these famous leaders and they're like, oh, you know, I can't be an asshole like Steve Jobs or whatever, or I can't behave like this. And, and so I can't be a good leader. But but my experience is anyone can learn to be a good leader as long as they learn to understand their own core strength, right? Yeah. Because if you know what makes you a great leader, you as an individual, not all these famous people that you hear about, but if you understand what makes you a great leader, if you understand why people want to work for you, why they follow you, why they want to, why they want to achieve things with you, then you can, then you can get the most out of yourself and really mm-hmm. build amazing teams. I, and I would add to that. So understanding your strengths, I think is so important, but also knowing your preferences of your style, like the way in which you do things and what you're like under pressure, because in you know our line of work there are changes are constant and there are different pressures at different points and that can invoke different behaviors and I think if you've got that like growth mindset that you're willing to learn about your style and occasionally adapt it not all the time but occasionally then I think you're going to be setting yourself up for being a brilliant leader of the, of the now and the future yep 
totally, totally agree on that. Totally agree on that. Good. Well, so, I'm yeah. Glad, I'm glad we agree, being that we're on the same subject here. <laughs> that would have been really embarrassing if we were constantly thinking like, no, it's completely different. No, but I, I think, again, this even within business, I think this, this is actually another thing, right? Like a lot of the time business leaders are, certain types of business leaders are, are afraid of that. Certain type of business leaders have it, you know, people have to do it my way or else it's wrong. Um, and I, I, I've seen that quite a bit where, again, there's, there's often some mindset things that you can mm. really work on. But, but the, the simple thing is learning to focus on outcome rather than focus on the process. Yeah. Way too many online gurus tell the world that, you know, you need to sit down, you need to figure out how to do something, and then you need to make a process, and then you need to show someone else how to do it. Mm-hmm. And what I, the example I always use is when I worked at IBM, I can promise you the CEO of IBM is not sitting figuring out what 200,000 people across the globe is doing every day, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, she, in fact, have absolutely zero clue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and if you want to build a solid business, you need to get out of that mindset and fundamentally stop listening to those people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because while it does sound like decent advice, and and I mean processes and all this stuff is can can make a lot of sense, but really it's all about bringing in people to your company and giving them ownership and responsibility and trust. Mm-hmm. I mean, see, I, I do agree, but I'm going to slightly disagree on that one in the sense of um, I think that there is a really real need for writing down the recipe of the way you do something if you're going to hand hand it over. Um, and then with giving that person permission of like, okay, this is the outcome that I'd love you to achieve. Right now, we're achieving this result by following this recipe. So let's start with this recipe and how you want to innovate and improve it and like the whole continuous improvement lens, like go for it. And I'm all up for it. But as a baseline, this is how we do business around here. And I, I see lots of people in my world are willing to be like, I'm no, I'm no good at this. Like be so critical and be like someone else, look, look for looking for a silver bullet solution for someone else, just finding them lead generation. And that's it. They don't have to do anything anymore. If you don't understand your people, like, and what resonates and what's going to work, then getting someone in for five hours a week to do your lead generation. If you can't articulate it, some, that other person isn't going to be able to do a good job on your behalf because no one's going to know them as well as you do in your business at that time. So I think there is a, a place for you being an expert at times. And I'm talking about those people who are solopreneurs at this point who maybe have a VA or two. Obviously, as the business grows and you know, you're building other people in, you want to, you know, I often use the example of like Facebook ads. I would highly recommend using an expert with Facebook ads rather than trying to do, figure it out yourself and then hand it over to someone with a process because you're going to burn a lot of money in the process and they've got a budget that they're working with a handful of other companies with. So they're experimenting with lots of other people's money as well as your own. So to me, that's an absolute no brainer to get someone else involved in that and not have to go by your process. But when I see people just being like, oh, I'm not good at this, someone else do it. And it's like, hang on a minute. This is one of the fundamental core pillars of your business. You need to know a degree of how you resonate on market or how you deliver the result. You can't just completely hand that over without a plan. Yeah, and that, that makes sense. And, and that's definitely some, particularly in terms of sales, sort of marketing message and so on, that's mm. definitely some things where I would agree. I think the, the fundamental that I look at is, um, again, if you've already spent time figuring out how to do something, yes, 
definitely write it down. Yes, definitely give people the process. But again, most people is like, okay, here's the process. Sit down and do this thing every day 500 times. But they don't hand over the ownership and the responsibility, as you said earlier. So the key piece that you mentioned about, you know, here's what we're doing today. Here's the outcome we're looking for. Uh, you're a smart human being, you know, I'm sure you can figure out how to do it even better. Mm-hmm. For me, that's the silver bullet that, yeah. that most people miss, right? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. They do. And and I talk about businesses being like a car, like I'm not a mechanic at all. So I'm going to do this analogy very badly, but you know, all the different cogs and pieces that make up the car that you can drive to your destination. And I see people hire like parts of the car but don't tell them like oh but this is the car we're trying to make and this is the destination we're going to they just expect them to like not either not care or maybe assumption is they won't care or assumption is they don't need to know but how can someone do their best when they don't know what the whole thing's for like why are we doing this how does this in how does this fit with everything else that's going on like give us context so rather than just i hate it when people just want to delegate these tasks i need someone for these tasks no 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 What is the result you want to create from having someone in? That is how you get a return on investment. And that's what it's all about. Ultimately, moving you from doing the tasks in the business, but perhaps a lower value and freeing up your time to do more stuff of the things you choose, whether that's business or not, and bringing people in to make a positive difference. Otherwise, it's just an expensive hobby. (laughs) Yeah, totally, totally. Fantastic, Sky. I told you I could talk all day about this with you. (laughs) <laughs> I'm 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 very much the same, but unfortunately, everything good have an end. Yeah. So uh, we are getting there. If people are eager to connect with you or yeah. see what you share and so on, what's the best ways to to connect? So as of last week, I just launched a podcast, the Full Freedom Podcast for entre- Full Freedom for Entrepreneurs. So that's a great way to be able to find out more about my message. Um, But do come and have a look at my website and uh, book a call, www.skybarber.com. Perfect. And we'll put all this information in show notes as well. So you, the magical audience, can get hold of it. I always love to hear what people take from these meetings, conversations anyway. So come and connect. Fantastic. Sky, thank you very much for joining me today. That was a very, very great conversation. Thank you so much for having me. And to the audience, we'll be back again next week. Thank you for hanging on all the way to the end. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.